Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So you guys like messages with these catchy titles? Anybody? So it seems like the thing that's in right now is just these, these messages that have these catchy titles and, and these pastors are making these titles up that they rhyme and then they got cool words to them or, you know, whatever. And they kind of grip our attention. You know, Pastor Mark always does a great job about bringing the message and bringing these catchy titles and these series. And, and so I really wanted to do him some justice on this one. I get the opportunity to speak, so I'm really excited. I'm like, man, I'm putting some effort into this thing. I'm coming out. It's going to be awesome. So y'all ready for it? Because, man, I've worked on this title. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Y'all ready? Desperate. What? Come on, Josh. They didn't like That was Josh's idea, y'all. They don't even like it. Sitting here laughing at me. Dang, I worked hard on that. Not for real. If you're taking notes, my message title is Desperate to Delivered. Somebody say Desperate to Delivered this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm desperate for this message today. Come on with enthusiasm, church. Well, let's pray and let's jump into this word. Father, I just pray right now that your spirit just comes upon this place, God, in ways that we've never fathomed. God, that you just flood this place with your presence. We've already seen the works of your hands this morning, God. We just praise you for what you've already done, what you're going to do in this place this morning. Jesus, I pray that you have your way with us this morning, God. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we find ourselves in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this story before. But this is the story of Jesus healing a dead girl and, or raising a dead girl, I'm sorry, and healing a sick woman. So we're going to start in verse 21. Y'all follow me? So when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So he went with him. So Jesus went with him. So here we got Jesus, right? So he's already performed miracles. He's already healed many people. He's cast out demons. He's even calmed the storm already. So these people are waiting with anticipation, right? They know who he is. He's like the celebrity, and he's coming to the shore. So they're waiting with anticipation to have a meeting with Jesus. And then we have Jairus, who's there, a broken father whose daughter is dying. And out of his desperation, he goes, and he meets, and he pleads with Jesus. Let's pick back up in the scripture. It says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she just thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So the gospel writer Luke, he actually says that the crowds were coming in around Jesus and crushing him. You can imagine a celebrity walking in here and everybody being excited to see the celebrity. And they're just trying to get to Jesus, to touch Jesus, to be around Jesus, right? So she fights her way into the crowd. 
a relentless faith. And she doesn't even go up and confront him. You see, Jairus goes up and he confronts Jesus, has a meeting with Jesus face to face, but this woman comes up from behind Jesus, believing that if she just touches him, she's going to be healed. Let's pick it back up and see what happens. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, everybody was crowding around Jesus, right? So he's got people all around him. They were all touching him, but they weren't touching Jesus. Remember Pastor Mark a few weeks ago talked about proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee you anything? This woman touched Jesus. She touched Jesus in a way where he felt power leave his body. She was desperate, and her faith drew her to the feet of Jesus just like it did Jairus. And I love verse 32 where it says he kept looking. How many know Jesus never, ever quits looking for us, church? Never. He's never stopped looking for us. Let's see what else happens. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't listen. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He didn't say don't listen, but I'm saying don't listen. Because you know what? There's going to be people in your life who are going to speak death over you, right? They're going to put you in predicaments. They're not going to be encouraging. They're going to lead you down a different path. They're not going to be around you. And Jesus says, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid, Jairus. Just believe. You've already heard about what I can do. Now just believe. Let's pick back up in verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead. But they laughed at him. The child's not dead. She's only asleep. But they laughed at him. You've got to put people in your life who are going to encourage you to follow the path that God has for you. You see, Jesus didn't let the crowd follow him. Jesus said, you know what? You're staying here because the crowd can lead you astray. They can lead you in the wrong direction. Kids at church, kids in high school, in this church, kids in middle school, the crowd can lead you astray. Jesus said, I ain't taking everybody. They're not going to follow me. I'm going on a path, and I'm taking you, you, and you with me. And then they laughed at him. You guys ever laughed at what God's called you to do or laughed at God? Didn't believe what God said was possible? Kind of like Abraham and Sarah did. Both of them laughed at God, and then look what happened. Being old, having a baby. Let's finish the rest of the story out. It says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up immediately. Somebody say immediately again. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and at this, they were completely astonished. Somebody say, get out this morning. Get out. 
You know what? Sometimes you got to put people out of your life. You got to put some things out of your life. Jesus had to kick some people out of the house that were going to hinder him from performing a miracle. And that's why he was there. And sometimes we got to put some stuff out of our lives for God to do something astonishing in our own life. Amen? Come on, let's go. And immediately, how many know that God answers us immediately? It may not be in our timing, it may not be in our fashion, but God immediately hears our cries. You see, they had heard about the miracles that Jesus had performed. They were waiting with anticipation, but now they actually got to be a part of one. You see, Jesus' daughter was dead. Now she's been risen back to life. And some of us in this church today, I think, are dead. And God's ready to give us a resurrection. But we got to get some stuff out of our life first before he can do something astounding in it. You all with me this morning still? So we see that we have some desperation in the story from Jairus and the woman. And then we see to a point where it becomes happiness. And then we see despair in Jairus when he gets news of his daughter. But then he goes right back to happiness when she gets healed. So anyone in here ever experienced joy and happiness one minute and then hopelessness and despair the next? Yeah. See, I remember July 9th of 2010, and I remember it because it was my dad's 54th birthday. And every year, he... My mom, my aunt, my uncle, they would take this annual float trip. Anybody know where Manus, Missouri is? One, two, three, four. Rita knows where it's at. Manus, Missouri, okay, y'all, listen. This is out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Nowhere, right? And they're beyond Manus. They're past Manus. So they're literally in nowhere, nowhere. There's no cell phone service. There's no civilization. I'm not sure electricity's even been invented out there yet. I, I don't even know. Um, 100%, but that's where they wanted to go floating. So usually they float truck to truck. Anybody ever been floating in here? So they float truck to, vehicle to vehicle, right? But this particular day, my dad's a diehard fisherman, and he wants to cover this whole stretch of water, so they decide that they're going to float down to the halfway point and then paddle back up. So like I said, it's, it's dad's birthday. They get to the halfway point. They stop on the gravel bar. They're celebrating. They're singing happy birthday. They're eating birthday cake. It's a great day full of joy and happiness. And just as they're getting ready to start packing up to make the journey back to the truck, dad starts to overheat, not, not start to feel, feel real well. So mom ends up having to be the one to paddle them back upstream to the truck, right? And I can remember my mom when she told me this story that she cried out to God, and so I might add before I even get to that point that whenever he started feeling sick on the gravel bar, they all gathered around him and they prayed over him, right? Because they're all inspirational people of faith. So as they're paddling back upstream, dad's symptoms start getting worse. Vomiting occurs, discoloration, tightness of chest. And so mom cries out, God, give me the strength of Samson. Samson from the Bible, you know, killed the lion with his bare hands. Samson from the Bible, who killed a thousand Philistine men. That Samson, y'all know who I'm talking about. So mom's pretty much the Hulk right now. Y'all can probably relate to that one, right? She's crying out to God, I'm, I need to be the Hulk right now. Because she was desperate. She cried out to God in her desperation. In the time of need. And her desperation drove her to an inner strength that she probably had no idea that she had. But he gives her the strength to be able to do this. And how many know that whenever we cry out to God that he hears us? 
He hears our cries. So he grants her the strength of Samson. And she paddles all the way back to the truck. Still no cell phone service. Still a far cry from anywhere. They get him in the truck. She's racing down the highway. Finally comes into cell phone service. She's able to call the Houston hospital. Let them know what's going on. They're waiting for their arrival. They get there. And I'll never forget the phone call that I got that day. They said, Ryan, your dad's having a heart attack. And they've airbagged him to Springfield. I just remember this sense of sickness and this hopelessness that come over me. And I get up and Manny's like, what's wrong? She could see the despair on my face. And I'm like, I don't even know to this day still if I even told her what happened. I just remember going to my closet and I'm like, they're airbagging dad to the hospital. And I just remember running to my closet to change my clothes because mom said, if you leave right now, you can get there before I am. And I walked into my closet. And I just remember I fell to my knees and I just prayed. I said, God, don't take my dad. I said, God, I need you. I'm desperate. Don't take my dad. And I believe with every ounce of my being, church, that God hears our desperate cries. That when we fall to our knees before him, that he hears us. And that he brings healing. That we have to have the faith to believe. And you know what? Nine years later, my dad gets to sit in here, hear me tell this story. He gets to hear me preach today. Because God is good, amen? And hopefully take me to lunch. Come on, church, let me know I love to eat. But God's good, you know? Because we serve a faithful God who desires us to cry out to Him in our desperation and fall to our knees before Him, believing that He is able, just like Jairus did when he came and he pleaded with Jesus to heal his daughter, and just like the woman did. And she came and she fell at the feet of Jesus because a relentless faith drove her there out of her desperation. Now listen, you have to understand who Jairus was. So he's a ruler in the Jewish synagogue of Capernaum, right? So he's of, of extreme importance. He has status, status, he's distinguished, he's a well-known religious leader, he's held in extreme honor and prestige. He is like the dude, Right? And then we have all these religious leaders who are sitting there. We know how the religious leaders despise Jesus, right? But Jairus was desperate. And he finds himself on his knees in the middle of the crowd, crying out to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. The same Jesus who is causing dissension and chaos among the Jews. The same Jesus who these rulers are trying to persecute and crucify. But Jairus is knows of the miracles that Jesus has done. He's heard of the ones that he heals, and he believes. And he knows because of his significance, his ranking as a religious leader, that Jesus would respect him enough to meet with him. But watch this. Out of desperation, Jairus sacrifices his significance. He throws away pride, dignity, and status, and he falls at the feet of the one, the only one who has the power to heal his daughter. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Desperation will lead you to disregard everything. Desperation will lead you to disregard everything and do something drastic. 
If you all enjoy stuff, you can say it's good. Yeah, that's good. Come on, I need some encouragement, church. Come on, feed this. If you all want a good sermon, you're just going to give me some, you're going to have to give me some ammo. Let's go. Then we have this woman whose name isn't even mentioned. There's no admirable accomplishments. There's no stature. She's only identified by her disease. That's all she's known by. She suffered from a constant flow of blood for 12 years. She's expended all other options. She spent everything that she's had on doctors trying to get better, and absolutely nothing has helped. In fact, we learn in the text, it says that she only grew worse. You see, this woman, according to the law, was ceremonially unclean. She was considered contaminated. She wasn't permitted to enter the temple. She wasn't allowed to partake in religious ceremonies. She wasn't allowed to go to the church. She wasn't even allowed to be seen by a priest. According to the law, anything or anyone she touched became unclean. So she's banished from the camp. She's excluded from society. She's labeled an outcast, and she's living in a complete state of isolation. She's been told there's absolutely no hope. She's broken. She's forgotten. She's desperate, and she's alone. And I can't help but wonder, church, how many of us in here today relate more to this woman than we do Jairus. You see, our circumstances, our seasons, what we've been told, what we believe about ourselves, our diagnosis, our disease, they've kept us isolated, disabled. We feel that we're unclean, unworthy, we're different, that there's no hope, that we're forgotten about, that we're just left to stay broken and alone. But check out what desperation causes the woman to do. You see, she disregards the opinions of others. She overcomes the accusations and the punishment that she's been handed. She believes. She believes Jesus has the ability to heal her. And desperation, desperation drives her to the feet of Jesus. And you know what? She's delivered. Transformation sometimes only comes through our deepest desperation. I'm going to say that again. Transformation sometimes only comes through our deepest desperation. So here we have two completely opposite ends of the spectrums, two complete identities. you got Jairus who's at the top of the religious ladder, and then you have this woman who's at the very bottom. One is socially well-known and respected. One is a social outcast and condemned. But both possess the same quality. Anyone know what that is? They're desperate. Both of them are desperate. Both were known for different reasons. One had dignity. One was disabled. One was distinguished. And one was diagnosed. But check this out. Both were determined. Both of them fell at the feet of Jesus because desperate people do what, church? Desperate things, right? They desired a breakthrough. And I love how Robert Madu puts this. He says, desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. Desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. I mean, anybody ever kicked down a door? Come on, man, be real. Anybody ever kicked down a door in here? 
That's what I'm talking about. Man, it's got to make you feel powerful, right? You're like, bam! And you just kick that door down, and then you just strut your way in like you're somebody. That's got to feel good, right? But sometimes we got to put our faith into action. we got to kick down that door in order to receive our breakthrough. You see, desperation doesn't know the difference between wealth and poverty. Desperation doesn't know the difference between the accepted and the outcast, between the righteous and the unrighteous. Desperation plays no favorites. But here's the hope, church. Neither does Jesus. Come on. Neither does Jesus because he graciously meets both their respective needs and he responds to their desperate faith. And check this out. With equal love, grace, and a willingness to heal. Job 34, 19 says, He shows no partiality to the princes, and he does not favor the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. We are all equally and unconditionally loved and sought after by the Creator. But here's the deal. They were driven into action by their desperation. They were forced to do something, something absolutely unimaginable, something against protocol. So what factors can we learn from these two people today? I'm going to give you three points today. This is three actions that people desperate for God possess. Three actions that people desperate for God possess. Y'all ready for point one? You still with me? Come on, don't forget that. I need some feedback every now and then. Let's go. People desperate for God won't give up. People desperate for God won't give up. It's not that people desperate for God can't give up because people give up all the time. It's people that are desperate for God. They won't give up. So both Jairus and the woman were determined and desperate to have an encounter with Jesus. And they wouldn't let anyone or anything stand in the way of that. Jairus is a ruler in the synagogue. He's doing God's work. He's teaching God's law and he's leading the people. Even himself, even he had to question, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing my daughter to, to die but even in his doubt, even in his questioning, even in his despair, in his weakest moment, you know what he never did? He never gave up. Even when the people from his own household came and said, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. He never gave up. He wasn't satisfied taking no for an answer. He listened when Jesus told him, Jairus, disbelieve. Don't be afraid, Jairus. Disbelieve. That's easier said than done sometimes, I know, especially when we're all in different seasons of life. Y'all got those spiritual people in your life? Like, I'm not talking about like, you know, your spiritual people. I'm talking about like the spiritual people. Y'all got, you know who I'm talking about, right? The ones that, you know, or the church people that you go to that when you're absolutely broken and in despair and you're at your weakest moment and, and you're frustrated and you're in agony and you just have no hope whatsoever and you go and you pour your heart and your soul out to them. And they just look at you, and they kind of get that real sympathetic look, and then they kind of turn their head to the side, and they just lay their hand on your shoulder, just tell you it's going to be okay. It's okay, we'll pray for you. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. 
You actually leave more frustrated than when you came in. You feel worse. But you know what we can learn from Jairus? We can learn some inspiration from him because he never gave up hope. You know why? He couldn't give up hope. His daughter's life depended on it. He couldn't give up hope. This woman, she was told that she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to be around people anymore. As a matter of fact, you know what? You're labeled an outcast. Get out. This is the line that you're not allowed to cross. You're not allowed to come back into the city. You're not allowed in the church. You're not allowed in the temple. You're not allowed to be seen by a priest. You're damaged goods, lady. Get out. You're unworthy. You're unclean. And the doctors told her that there's absolutely nothing else that they could do for her. She'd spent every last dime that she had on doctors trying to find the answer, trying to find a cure. She tried everything that she knew to do until her desperation led her to the feet of Jesus. She disregarded the opinions of the others and all their accusations against her, and she never gave up hope in Christ. And what about you, church? How long has your season been? 12 minutes? 12 days? 12 months? 12 years? No matter how long it's been, to you it feels like an eternity, right? And you're tired. And you're worn out. Maybe you've been told there is no hope. And you feel like giving up. But God, I'm doing what you called me to do. God, I'm serving. I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm tithing. I'm on the worship team, God. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why is my marriage failing? Why am I suffering from this disease? Why is my mom sick? Why is my child sick? How many times have you been told that there's nothing else that can be done for you? That there's absolutely no hope? It's just how it's going to have to be. Josh's favorite worst hated term is it is what it is, but sometimes we just live with that mentality, right? It is what it is. And we just settle for the way it is. Maybe the people around you are discouraging you like they did Jairus when they told him, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. You know what? He didn't listen to them. He couldn't listen to them. He didn't have a choice. If he would have listened to them, his daughter wouldn't have received a miracle. He listened to the only voice that mattered. Maybe you're here today and you relate to the woman who tried everything that she knew to do, but instead of growing better, she grew worse. Maybe you're in here today and you're just like her and you've tried everything, every doctor, every answer, every hope, and it's not getting any better. It's just continuing to get worse. Her only hope was not to give up in belief. When all hope seems lost, there's only one voice that holds the truth. Pressing deeper. Do not give up and stand on that truth, church. Second Chronicles 15.7 says this, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Point number two. You guys ready? People desperate for God have to be courageous. People desperate for God 
have to be courageous. Joshua 1.9 states, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Anyone ever experienced some kind of courageous faith? Your desperation drove you to do something absolutely uncharacteristic, unimaginable? Jairus was a prominent leader who was well-respected, but he sacrifices his significance and he lays aside his nobility, his pride, even to the point where he would be scorned by all the rulers that he was respected by. He boldly surrenders his status and his reputation because he's desperate for an encounter. And I'm sure he was a courageous leader and a courageous ruler, and no one probably out of everybody there expected him to be the one to fall at the feet of Jesus. But he lays aside everything he knows, and he humbles himself before everyone in the crowd. This is the crowd that he ministers to. This is the crowd that comes to him for the answer. What are they going to think about their leader? Can you believe he's acting like this? Can you believe he's the one that's going to the feet of Jesus? But he was desperate enough to allow his courage to overcome their beliefs and their opinions about him. A truly uncharacteristic and courageous kind of faith, which ultimately leads to his daughter being healed. And when we're desperate, we will do whatever we have to. Whatever we have to, regardless of whatever they think, whatever, whatever the rules are, when we're desperate, we're going to do whatever we have to do. So what does that look like for us, church? I want to ask you this question this morning. What do you value more? Your reputation or your healing? Come on. What do you value more, your reputation or your healing? Hmm? What do you value more, being respected, being talked about, or being delivered? What's courageous faith look like to you? Is it like the woman who didn't allow her diagnosis to keep her in solitude? That she overcame fear and punishment of what all the others thought about her and even what the law stated about her. And she came boldly into the crowd, disregarding the fact that she wasn't even supposed to be anywhere around there. And you know what she does? She does the absolute unimaginable. She touches Jesus. This unclean, filthy woman reaches out and she touches Jesus. And how many are thanking God Jesus isn't a germaphobe right now? Come on, you imagine the disciples going to Sam's and carrying 55-gallon drums around, you know, from, from you know, Ephesus to Colossians. You know, every time Jesus touched somebody, he had to take a, a squirt of hand sanitizer. Thank God Jesus doesn't show favorites. Because this woman is unclean. She's unworthy. She's contagious. She's disgusting in the sight of the community. She's been forbidden for 12 years not to touch anyone. Nevertheless, to touch anything that someone else might touch and make them unclean. I want to tell you this this morning. Desperation has the ability to overpower rationality. Desperation has the ability to overpower rationality. Now that's some unrelentless, crazy courage, right? To go touch even God himself. 
And we see how her desperation drove her to courage. And courage drives her to the feet of Jesus where she gets her miracle. You see, courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulties. It's strength in the face of grief and pain. And a courageous, desperate faith that has the power to deliver you. Both their circumstances summoned some kind of courageous faith that even they were probably unaware they possessed. But people who are desperate for God take courageous, drastic chances. Kim, I want to have you come forward as I get ready to go into point number three. So I begin to close this message out. Point number three is people desperate for God move in faith. See, Jairus was a man of God. He believed in God. He could have just prayed for God to heal his daughter. But faith drives him to the feet of Jesus. Faith drives him to go through the middle of the crowd and humble himself and throw himself down in front of Jesus himself. And his desperation ignites this faith that's put into action. And the Bible says when he saw Jesus... You know what? Saul's in action. He was looking for Jesus in the crowd. He was putting his faith into action, and he was moving. And it says when he saw Jesus, he went right to him. His daughter was dying from her disability. But desperate faith put into action brought deliverance. That's good in itself. I'll say it if you guys won't. This woman could have stayed content with the way it was. She could have continued to live in despair, abandoned, and disabled. But her desperate faith drives her across a boundary line that was set before her to overcome the doubt and the fear that she had to endure for 12 years to push and to force her way through the crowd. And I'm sure being overpowered at times. I'm sure getting pushed back a couple times and having to continue to fight her way. I don't know how big she was. I picture some 80-year-old, some 80-year-old frail little tiny woman just making her way through the crowd. Not settling, being persistent, relentless in her pursuit after Jesus. Believing with every ounce of her being if she could just touch him. And you know what she does? She touches him. And she, she receives her miracle. Can you imagine what Jairus is feeling at this time? The desperation and the urgency of getting to his daughter. And here's Jesus stopping to heal this unclean woman. This disgusting, unclean woman who most likely him and all the other rulers have condemned and kicked out of the camp. Not only the fact that Jesus stops to heal this woman, but he stops and he takes time for her, time to talk with her and to hear her whole story. What? 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 Her whole story? Okay, a man's whole story would take two minutes. His whole life story would take two minutes, and you know what? Two minutes to Jairus is an eternity. That's two minutes too long. I'm just saying, y'all, women are a lot more detailed than us men. 
Come on. Girl, I'm just telling you right now, I love my wife. But if you're going to have a conversation with her about her day, nevertheless, her life. Come on, church. You're getting every detail from 4.45 a.m. to 11. The color of the grass, how many birds she saw, what was on the school bus. Jesus takes time for this one. He takes time for everyone. And he hears your whole story. Jairus has to sit there in agony and watch Jesus have a conversation with this woman all the while while his daughter's dying. Not only that, but Jairus has to watch her receive a miracle. At the exact same time, he gets news about his daughter's death. See, Jairus had to be heartbroken, discouraged, frustrated. Jesus, if you wouldn't have just stopped to help her. Jesus, if you would have just kept moving with me to my house. My daughter wouldn't be dead right now. Maybe you're like Jairus in here this morning and you're broken. You're frustrated. And you're in pain. And you're in agony. You're watching God move in everyone else's life and you're wondering why he's not moving in yours. And you're watching them get their miracle feeling like he's forgotten about yours. Can I say this for your second church? See, we're moved into action by our faith, which is driven by our desperation. Does that make sense? Y'all follow me on that? But check this out. God is moved into action by our faith. God is moved into action by our faith, even when he's in the middle of doing something else. Because as we read on the story, we see that Jesus is always on time. Unlike me, he's always faithful. And Jairus still receives his miracle. And I believe this wholeheartedly, church, it's because both were desperate and both were determined. Both had faith. But I believe it's because they let their desperation drive their faith into action. They had to do something. Jairus had to move through the crowd to get to Jesus, to find Jesus, to look for Jesus and plead with them and then humble himself in front of everybody there. And the woman, she had to allow her faith to do unthinkable things. To take a chance to fight her way through a mob of people. Disregard the rules that were set before her. To grip the heart of God. Just to touch Jesus. Desperate people do desperate things. When we're so desperate and so dead that we know we have nothing else to lose... Faith can move us into the path of a miracle. Y'all follow me this morning? So what about you? Is your faith dead this morning? Or is it desperate? Are you waiting on your miracle? What about your faith? You say, oh, I believe. Jairus and the woman believe, church. But they had faith. faith alone wasn't enough. 
They had, become, they had to become so desperate that their faith forced them to move. And here's the church, here's the truth. So before you start throwing stones at me and, and disregard what I've said because you don't like that answer that faith has to be, you, faith wasn't enough, I want to give you guys the truth. Faith has to be accompanied by action. You have to move upon your faith. James 2, 4 says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? So I'm asking this morning, what's disabling you? Are you desperate enough to put faith into action and be delivered? Because James 2, verse 17 says this. It says, in the same way, faith by itself if not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. Faith not accompanied by action is dead. Are you willing to stay disabled even to your point of death? So here's my sermon wrapped up in one statement. If you don't get anything else from today, get this right now. Your desperation has the ability to disable you or to deliver you. Your desperation has the ability to disable you or to deliver you. How desperate are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.